0: You're listening to the Your Knee, Your Health podcast. I'm your host, Adam Rosen. I'm a fellowship-trained, board-certified orthopedic surgeon who specializes in knee replacement. Here, I'll talk to you about common knee complaints and other orthopedic issues. We'll cover other important health-related topics, all of which are meant to helpfully answer some of your questions and help improve the quality of your life. Thanks for listening, and on with the next episode. Hello and welcome back. This is Adam Rosen, and you're listening to the Your Knee Your Health podcast. In today's episode, I want to talk about diabetes um, because you know at the beginning of the day, I'm a doctor first and an orthopedic surgeon second. You know, I kind of always refer to myself as the orthopedic internist because I do try to spend time talking to my patients. You know, if they do have you know heart disease, do they understand why they're on the medication? And you know, specifically on today's topic, you know, if they have diabetes, do they understand diabetes? You know, and What the risks are and what medications they're on. Um, So, you know, just so you're aware, um, and the great resource is the American Diabetes Association, the ADA. You can find their website, lots of great information. Um, But there's lots of different types of diabetes. You know, it used to be referred to as insulin dependent and non insulin dependent. You know, more commonly now it's referred to as type one and type two. But there's lots of other different subcategories and different types um, of diabetes. But for the sake of ease, you know, we'll talk mainly today about type one and type two. And you know, type one, which previously people considered insulin-dependent diabetes, and is commonly kind of referred to as something that kids get. It can actually occur at any age. More commonly, though, we see it when people are younger. Um, and this is that the body doesn't produce insulin may not be interested to know this, Maybe over your head, but there's an organ in our body called the pancreas. um, And there are uh, these beta cells um, in the islets of Langerhans that produce this insulin. It's a complex process with different cell types. And um, in essence, your body, for whatever reason, doesn't make um, and doesn't secrete insulin, which is why the sugar that your body uses from food and breaks down starts to get very, very high. And these can lead to major problems. So it's usually caught when they're younger, and then those patients typically go on lifelong insulin treatments. Now, the second type, um, which is actually the most common type, is type 2 diabetes. Now, this is typically seen later on in life. So it was more commonly seen in adults. And it's usually due to some genetic component, but also poor Choices. You know, usually due to obesity, due to poor health choices, lack of exercise, which essentially then leads to chronic high levels of sugar called hyperglycemia. And then the insulin doesn't work well you know, basically what's called insulin resistance. But unfortunately, we're actually seeing type 2 diabetes in younger and younger people because of the obesity epidemic. So you're having younger and younger kids that don't have type 1 diabetes, but because they're obese at a young age, they're walking around with this chronic high level of glucose or sugar in their body as hyperglycemia, which then leads to type 2 diabetes. So globally, um, one in 11 people has diabetes. 90% of those have type 2. So that's why it's significantly more common to have this type 2 diabetes, which can present later on in life. And it is an expensive medical problem. You know, based on the ADA, they had on their website this stat, which I thought was amazing and staggering. The cost of treatment of diabetes in 2017, this is just three years ago, was 325 billion dollars that's billion with a b that's a huge amount of money for this problem and 90 percent of those people have type 2 diabetes in which case a lot of that is due to health nutrition and choices which means that if we could change the health and nutrition and well-being of people in our country and even just cut the diabetes type 2 in half. Think of how much money we would save and how much healthier people would be. So, when they looked at volume or total number of people, 2018, 34 million Americans have a diagnosis of diabetes. That's 10% of the population. It's a huge number. And this is the scary thing, though it's the seventh leading cause of death in the United States. So, you know, when I talk to patients, This comes up a lot more frequently when I'm talking about surgery. So understand that if you are having surgery and you have diabetes, it is extremely important to be aware of how well you are treating your diabetes you know, most people should be familiar with that thing called, the test called a hemoglobin A1c. So what a hemoglobin A1c is, is essentially an average of what your sugars have been over the past three to four months. Because you might check your sugars and if you check them at a particular time, it might always look great to you, but at other times during the day, it might be high. So that test really lets us know how your sugars have been on average over the past few months. And typically, if you're diabetic, we would like to see that number to be less than seven which means that your diabetes for you is under good control. And if your number's over seven, it is not in good control. What's termed uncontrolled diabetes. And the reason that that's important is if you have diabetes and you're having surgery, your risk of infection and complications is higher. However, if you're having surgery and you have uncontrolled diabetes, your A1c is greater than seven, your risks are significantly higher, not only for infection, but even for death, stroke, heart attack. So it's really important if you have diabetes to know how well you're doing at treating your diabetes and then also making sure that if you're having elective surgery that your diabetes is under the strictest control before, during, and after because what we know is when sugar levels are high after surgery, especially if you're in the hospital, that can lead to more complications, which is why if you've had surgery, sometimes people are a little You know, caught off guard if they're using pills at home and the hospital will give you insulin because we can control the sugars a lot more closely with little bits of insulin throughout the day and keep the sugars within a safe range. Now, other important things to understand. So if you have diabetes or maybe you're not doing well, taking good care of yourself and you're at risk of getting diabetes, understand that it can affect lots of things in your body. So it can affect your eyes. And one of the most common reasons for blindness in our country is secondary to diabetes. And your risk goes up if your diabetes is not well controlled. If you have diabetes, your risk of glaucoma and cataracts are higher. And it's all due to those sugars floating around your bloodstream. And a lot of times your ophthalmologist, when they do your exams, which you should be getting regularly if you have diabetes, definitely, um, they can sometimes see some of these changes in the eye and in the retina. So they're going to be watching carefully to make sure that your vision is not compromised now the another thing that it can affect is your nervous system what's commonly called neuropathy and people get this what's called stocking glove neuropathy so you know if you had a disc herniation on one side you know there's pain or weakness or numbness along a very specific path where that actually nerve is but the sugar affects the small vessels first so it's common for your fingertips and toes to start to get numb and cold And then it moves up like slipping a sock on. So it's symmetric you know, on the inside, outside portions of your foot and works your way up. And as it gets worse, it can move up your leg and up your shin. And when you have diabetes, that's a progressive problem. And if you have uncontrolled diabetes and you have those problems, and now you decide to turn over a new leaf and make your diabetes under the perfect control for the rest of your life, the damage has already been done. That's why it's really important to keep an eye on your sugars to prevent these permanent problems from occurring. Now, the other reason, and probably one of the reasons I talk to a lot of my patients about diabetes, is I also used to do a lot of foot and ankle type surgery, and I saw a lot of people for foot problems. Number one reason for non traumatic amputation in our country is diabetes. You know, that was, it's probably the surgery I hate the most, and unfortunately, I have to do them every so often. I don't work in a major trauma center, so it's not due to trauma, but typically if I'm doing an amputation, it's because somebody had an ulcer from diabetes that got infected, that infected the bone, and now it's not fixable and we have to do an amputation. Um, And it's nothing that makes your life easier. It just gets worse at that point. So you really have to take care of your feet from day one, especially if you have diabetes. So how do you do that? Well, a lot of times people can have very, very dry skin. So you know, making sure that when you get out of the shower, you dry your feet off and you use moisturizer. Lots of different tricks and tips. Um, some people, you know, just regular moisturizers enough. Sometimes even Vaseline if they have really bad dry, cracky skin. Sometimes you can actually put that on at night and put a sock on before you go to bed. Um, and really, in the morning, tends to wake up and, and your feet look a whole lot better. But you definitely have to make sure that your skin, if it's dry does not crack because those little cracks can become infections really, really quickly. You should have a podiatrist that you see on a regular basis and need to check your feet every day. So if you have bad hips or knees and you can't see the bottoms of your feet, if you live with someone that can check them, that's great. If not, you get a mirror that you can put on the floor underneath and so you can look at the bottoms of your feet. White socks are key, why? So if you develop a little cut or ulcer and you wear white socks, you'll see the blood or the yellow staining from a blister And know that even if you can't see it and don't feel it, which is commonly the problem, that you're aware that there's a problem down there. If you wear dark dark socks, you could bleed into the black sock and never know it. You could have a little blister that's draining and never know it. So the white socks are really, really important. And at the first sign of any wound or ulcer, you gotta see a foot doctor, um, podiatrist or foot and ankle specialist, because occasionally we'll have to put on crutches or boot or some treatment to get the pressure off of that foot so that ulcer or skin problem or lesion can heal because if it gets full thickness and then it gets down to the bone, now you can develop a bone infection. Now, other things, I mean, it can affect your kidneys, especially high sugar levels. It can cause high blood pressure. It can cause increased risk of stroke. So all those things are really, really important. So, so what do you do? So, you know, if... Nowadays, most people have access to all of their health records. So take a look, you know, take a look back at all of your previous chemistry studies. That would be the lab test um, called a metabolic profile, comprehensive or basic, usually has a potassium and a calcium level on there and kidney function, but it'll also have a glucose level. And it's a little bit more complicated, so I'm not gonna go into the exact details, but you know, essentially you can have a fasting, you know, a lot of times you go in for your cholesterol and they're told, you know, to be fasting, or non-fasting. So we're looking at your sugars depending on if it's fasting or non-fasting. But if you have multiple sugars, whether or not it's fasting or not fasting, and they're consistently high over and over and over again, that's not normal. And then you have to go a little further. There's different tests, this one called the hemoglobin A1C, and test that can be utilized to really confirm a diagnosis of diabetes. And then if you have it, you have to make sure that you're treating it. Now, what's nice is for a lot of people, if you, don't exercise, and you're overweight, and you eat poorly, you can treat your diabetes with lifestyle modifications. So this is not using any medication. This is you saying, I have a problem, because I haven't exercised, I'm overweight, and I've made poor choices in what I eat and consume. And now with a doctor, and hopefully, if they're very, very well versed in this. They may coach you and and take care of you. They may refer you to a nutritionist. They may refer you to an endocrinologist. They may refer you to a diabetic institute if there's one in your area, but with those people, you're gonna take a look at what is my weight and what do I have to do to lower my weight and get into a safer range? What am I eating? What am I consuming? And what things do I have to stop eating and consuming and what would be better food choices going forward? Uh, And exercise, you know, what is my exercise now? And what level of exercise should I be getting? And what's interesting is they all work together. So as you exercise, you burn more calories, you lose more weight, makes you more healthy, may make your body um, control these sugars a little bit better. And then hopefully, if you then recheck your sugars and your sugars are normal and your hemoglobin A1C is returned to normal, then you're good for a while. But you have to watch it cautiously because if you get out of that, kind of fine line that you're walking on now, things can get worse again. And then if so, then you may need particular medication. So they may put you on medication, sometimes one, sometimes more than one, sometimes pills, sometimes other than pills. But depending on you and your sugars um, and your other risk factors, you're gonna have to work with your doctor to find out a treatment plan that helps control your sugars. Because again, this is sort of one of these silent killers, you know, like blood pressure. I always tell people, if you have high blood pressure and you're on blood pressure medicine and it doesn't seem to bother you and you don't want to take your blood pressure medicine, sometimes the first sign that something's wrong is you have a stroke or a heart attack because your blood pressure's been pumping so high it's damaged those organs. Or you can have kidney failure because the blood has been pumping so high it's damaged those organs and at that point it's too late the damage is done. And the same thing can happen with diabetes. You get some people that are in denial or just don't think it's a big deal for them and they don't want to change their lifestyle, and they don't want to lose weight and exercise and eat better and maybe take medicine because they don't feel anything and then the first sign of something wrong, it's a big problem. You know, you got an amputation, now you can't see. You know, now you're in the hospital in the ICU because your sugars are all out of whack. Um, and now you've done all this damage and you can't go back and necessarily fix it. So it is an important thing. If you have diabetes, I hope you found this information helpful. I mean, the big thing I always talk to all my patients is take good care of your feet. You know, white socks, look at your feet, make sure that they stay, you know, moisturized. Um, Have a foot doctor that you can follow up with on a regular basis and take good care of your sugars. Um, If you're pre-diabetic or you're diet-controlled diabetic, Be very cognizant of your exercise, your weight, what you eat and how you eat. And you may be able to control that going forward without medication. If you don't have diabetes and you're concerned if you may be at risk, you know, again, take a look at your sugars and see in your labs, are your random sugars high and elevated? You know, and is there more than one of those? And then if so, has your doctor done this hemoglobin A1C? Talk to your doctor and find out. And if not, maybe you have a friend, family member, loved one, spouse that has diabetes and these are just important things that if they're not aware of, that now you're aware of and you can help them make the right choices and take good care. See a eye doctor yearly, see a foot foot doctor um, yearly, you know, make sure that you're watching your sugars, make sure you know what your hemoglobin A1C is. I find a lot of patients, you know, I ask them what it is. They have no idea. So how do you know if you're doing a good job or not? You know, don't just believe your doctor said everything's good, but, you know, really know what is my number and how good am I doing because it may help you make different changes going forward. So again, thanks for listening. I'm Adam Rosen. You've been listening to the Your Knee, Your Health podcast. Until next time, stay safe. Thanks for listening to the Your Knee, Your Health podcast. If you've not already done so, please subscribe so you'll be notified of future episodes. And if you enjoy what you're hearing, please take the time to leave a review. It helps other people like you find the show. I'm your host, Adam Rosen, and until next time, stay safe.